I met Lisa Schneiderman several years ago at one of the events for Cynthia Kersey, another name that's been on The Dale Wiley Show. And so now listen to the new stuff that she's doing to protect all of us during the pandemic. DaleWileyShow.com Well, are you the Lisa Schneiderman who does all the amazing publicity work for all these years? Well, thank you very much. And yes, I have been doing publicity work for all these years. For Definitely. Over 20 years, to be exact. <laughs> well, you don't look a day over 19, so, you know, whatever. But I also, you know, we met on the red carpet because of Cynthia Kersey. You remember that? I do remember. I was thinking, how did I meet Dale? And <laughs> yes. I remember that. And did you... Did you also know my assistant back then as well, or was it just Cynthia? Corinne, is that right? Corinne, yeah. Yes, I loved Corinne. You know, definitely, she actually came to Memphis in the day, and we hung out for a whole weekend, so I was a big fan of Corinne. Oh, yeah, Corinne is a really special, <laughs> special lady. She is married with two kids now, actually. Oh, wow, that's so cool. And so... And so anyway, I know that you're in here to talk about your the new thing you're doing, but I just want to take a minute and talk about, number one, who is Stephanie Schneiderman? Schneiderman. Stephanie is my sister, and okay. she is a singer-songwriter, um, and um, yeah, she. I think I sent you an invite when her and her husband Tony were doing a Thursday night. It was very, very good. I was a big fan. I liked it a lot. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> and and so anyway, tell me about your kind of career in the PR field. Who you know you work for a lot of causes, and so how did that start? So okay, so when I went. I, I'm from Portland, Oregon, and I went to Los Angeles in the year of 2000. Right. Uh -huh. And when I was in Oregon, I was working for a publishing company called Beyond Words. And one of my okay. authors at Beyond Words was named Veronique Fial. She did a book called Women Before 10 a.m. And it was basically the 100 okay. women celebrities um, in the country that she had been promoting with her photography work. <clears throat> right. And um, when, right before I left Beyond Words to go out on my own, I was the PR director there for about four and a half years. Um, her uh -huh. first book was, coffee table book was Men Before 10 a.m. And I got him on Entertainment Tonight. And Veronique said to me in her sweet French accent, if you ever go, you know, <laughs> go out on your own, I will be your first client. It was so cute. Oh, I was wow. so honored. And I said, okay, well, let me think about that. And then in 1998, I went out on my own. I called her and she said, yep, let's go. And she was my, <laughs> she was my first client that I ever got on Oprah. Wow. Yeah. It was really That's a big deal. It was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. I really loved that experience because I had been pitching the Oprah producers for four and a half years and I hadn't gotten on the show yet because it's hard it's not the easiest you know you gotta have oh, a yeah. lot of a lot of goods to get on the oprah show to really 
be ready right. in that sure. level. Um, in terms of the the clients, you know, they they have to have everything set up. It has to be the right message. And right. but um, yeah, that was the first one. And I flew down to Venice Beach, California, where Veronique lived, and we did the shoot in her home. And Jennifer Beals, um, from Flashdance, was supposed to. Yeah, the yeah, Flashdance. She was, she was actually supposed to be the one to do the shoot because what the producers of Oprah wanted to do was to reenact the women before 10 a.m. model, which Veronique actually would go to these celebrities' homes. She would set up the appointments at 10 a.m., but she would show up hours before catching them off guard. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. she wanted to show the true essence of, you know, these people without their facades, right? Without their makeup. And all of that. Right. I just wanted to show the natural, sure. the natural side of them. And anyway, Jennifer sure. had to cancel for whatever reason at the last minute. So I fly into LA. I was still living in Portland at the time and I show up at Jennifer's home. Right. And it was so funny because, um, she said, Lisa, Lisa, Jennifer can't do it. You need to do it. And I had to <laughs> get a um something that I was wearing to bed on because you know we had to reenact the whole thing and it was right hilarious <laughs> and so that was my that was my first client I got on Oprah and and then I was on Oprah at the, at the same time <laughs> <laughs> well that is that's an incredible story and but you eventually moved towards doing more of kind of cause PR. Is I right? did. So one of the reasons why I ended up moving down to Los Angeles is because um, one, I had always had, you know, a love for Hollywood and, and all of that. What young kid doesn't dream about sure. that. Right. Uh, I was right. The exactly. era of, uh, of the seventies, I guess you could say. And that time it was, Oh goodness! It was Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, and you know, Farrah oh Thompson. my God, yeah, all of that. Um, three is company, you know? <laughs> and so I mean, you're a kid, you dream about all that. But I had an opportunity with this, and, yeah, definitely. yeah, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. And Veronique said, "Well, if you down, okay, I'll uh, hook you up with, um, you know, different nonprofit organizations that I know that work with celebrities." for their red carpet events. Right. So I took her up on it and she introduced me to the first um, event that I ended up doing the publicity for. And it was to raise money for low income families and children. Wow. Yeah, it was really fun. And so what has been, what's been the most fun to do? Well, you know, when I, I when I was down there, I, I actually produced, um, red carpet events for about five years. I was doing that exclusively. Okay. And I just loved the purpose, the the, the feeling of purpose, right? Um, you know, I think when sure. we met that event that I, I produced Cynthia Kersey's event. And yeah. I remember. And that was at the, the Hilton, Beverly Hills, right? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. yeah. Very big. Very wonderful. Yeah. Very red carpet. Yeah, that was a fun red carpet. Definitely. And that um, organization grew from, you know, a tiny idea that Cynthia had into this massive, massive, um, impactful right. uh, organization that she created. And and it was 
fun to be able to be part of that. So I think, you know, there's so many parts to it. You know, it, it seems super glamorous to be in Hollywood and putting on these events. But the truth is, there was nothing glamorous about it. <laughs> it was hard work. Okay, well, it was me. hard work, you know. But I loved every bit of it because it felt like um, I was helping these nonprofit organizations raise awareness for their cause. And I worked with everybody yes, from definitely. domestic violence to animal rights, um, you know, to causes in Africa with clean water. Uh, you know, you right. name it, I was doing it. And it felt really meaningful to do that and to results, you know, that would yeah. be ultimately given back to the nonprofit organization or the person that that was uh, benefiting from it. Right. And so at some point, though, you moved back to Portland. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I moved. I moved back to Why? Portland. And did I move back? Um, I would say uh, 2016, but I wasn't sure if I was going to stay. So I was here for a good six months, you know, okay. um, I wasn't sure if I was going to go back down to LA. And then after being here for six months, I thought, what am I doing? My family's here, my nieces, my nephew, you know, my <laughs> mom and dad, my sisters, we have kind of a big family. And I knew I was always right. going to move back to my hometown. I just didn't know when. And so, you know, I thought, what, what better time than wow. now? I had already been in L.A. for quite a while. Um, I want to say probably 16, yeah. uh, 16, 17 years by then. And, um, and, I, right. and I could do what I was doing here, living here. You know, I could do what I was doing there, living here. Right, exactly. In Portland. So um, it was really just kind of, you know, one of those situations where, I just realized that this is where I wanted to be now. And, and I'm glad I made that decision. I just love it. Portland's a really beautiful city. Well, that's wonderful. Now tell me about this new project. Okay. You're so on. when the whole COVID um, crisis came about, I decided, you know, every, all of right. us were reading these stories and, and listening to the news about how, the hospitals and clinics didn't have any masks, you know, the PPE equipment, personal right. protective equipment for our healthcare workers were somehow yes. they just flew out right the window. Who knows what happened? It was an yes. odd thing to think that we were experiencing that in the United States, right? The greatest country on the planet. Right. And yeah. And exactly. so I thought, well, I'm going to call some friends of mine who are doctors and nurses and find out what was really going on. So on March 22nd, I called a couple of my doctor and nurse friends and my, my, one of my nurse friends, she had been delivering babies over 30 years in Portland. So she was a, a seasoned okay. nurse practitioner and she was one of the head right. delivery nurses at one of the largest hospitals in the state of Oregon. And I said, so what's happening? What's going on? I'm hearing these stories. You know, are you guys really out of masks? And she said, oh, you're not going to believe right. this. We are delivering babies without any masks. Oh, my God. I said, you're kidding me. This doesn't even make sense. Like, it's so hard to wrap your head around that, right? Um, I said, well, right. how many masks Definitely. do you need? She said, well, we need 1,000 for the hospital, and we need 200 for our clinic. 
And, mm -hmm. and so I said, you know what? We said a prayer. I said, I'm going to do what I can to make this happen for you. I had no idea what I would do, but I said, I'm just let, right. give me a few days. let me think about this. And then I called another friend of mine who's a doctor at an emergency room in one of the other major hospitals here in the state of Oregon. And I said, how are you guys? He said, well, okay. truthfully, you know, we're normally allotted one mask per patient, and we were actually receiving one mask per day. I said, so what are you wow. doing to protect yourself? Because he was in the ER department, you know, and at that time, there was all this scare, right? Everybody was preparing for, you know, was prepared, but to yeah. uh, prepare the hospitals, I guess, sure. for the the virus, right? The COVID virus. So, uh, so he said, well, sure. we got creative. Our staff got creative here. And we decided to go to the liquor store and got Everclear and put it in a bottle and started spraying okay. the masks after every single patient, let it sit for 10 minutes, and then went on and put it back on for the next patient. Okay. So I thought that is just unbelievable. Right? Uh, so yes. I decided that it was time Definitely. to see what I could do. And I called a few of my friends and colleagues and I thought, well, excuse <clears throat> me, if we do this, I want this to be automated. I don't want to do this manually, right? If we're going to start a right. volunteer initiative. Definitely. So one of my colleagues is a technology genius. And his company is called Shiloh Rune. It's all one word, Shiloh Rune. And I said, can okay. you, do you want to do this with me? I feel like, you know, this is a moment in history where we need to see if we can make a difference here in our state of Oregon. And sure. he said, yeah, Definitely. let me, you know, give me a couple of days. Let me think about how I'm going to automate this. So then I called another friend who's a designer because as a publicist, you know, I, I basically hire different teams of people to do the work for my clients where we collaborate together and I coordinate it and stuff like that. So I have sure. a lot of these people at my fingertips right. and I called my friend who's a designer and I said, Hey, Kathleen, you know, I'd really um, love for you to put together a logo. Do you want to be part of the team? She said, absolutely. You know, so, and then I called my friend Lisa Schroeder, uh -huh. who's actually a client of mine. Um, she works, she owns, um, a restaurant called Mother's here. She's a really famous chef and an amazing human being and is very much into causing the word. So I said, do you want to help us spread the word? You can, you know, have you be part of this? She said, absolutely. So we got our little small team of four. And uh, within a week and a half, uh -huh. I had the website up. And then okay. called NBC affiliate here and said, listen, you know, Basically, we had the 1,200 mask orders from the first call I had, right, with the nurse. And then sure. from there, I put right. it up on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, and I said, call all your grandmothers, your great aunts, whoever right. has a sewing machine, you know, who wants to do this? <laughs> yes. And I had 25 of my friends who said, yes, right. I, will be, do, I will do this. I'll help you spread the word. So it was just like one, you know, I did one thing, then I did the next thing. And it was like little baby steps to create this little grassroots effort. Before I knew it, we had a, sure. a private group on Facebook created and 
you know how it just has tentacles, right? It just starts going. And if people, yeah. And if they want to make a difference, they want to get on board. So that's kind of what happened. It was sort of that perfect storm of people needing to do something, you know, and wanting to be part of something bigger. Right. Well, and so I ask you, how do people well, get involved Well, they can go now? to our website, which is sewtosave.org, and it's S-E-W-O-Save.org. Okay. And um, this is in the state of Oregon. Now, anyone can do this anywhere. You know, we've got, we've got this set up. Sure. It's a pretty stellar um, working machine now, and um, I feel really proud of it. It's... It's all automated. Um, You know, somebody would still have to um, figure out how to organize it and and coordinate on location wherever they are. But, you know, we set this where it can actually, somebody could easily duplicate this. And so we've been starting to call it like hashtag Soda Save Oregon in hopes that other people in other states might want to get on board. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I I think that- the healthcare workers, I feel, are taken care of now. It's the other first responders that are um, putting in requests. So, you know, when we, when this first started, yes. like I said, we had like 25 people just for my little, my, my personal Facebook page. And then when we had the NBC local um, segment, we went from 25 people to 354 people who wanted to sew. And then okay. we went from... 1,200 mask orders to 2,500 mask orders because, you know, the word got out and it was the local NBC affiliate. So people started to, you know, find us. And um, we are now at 600 sewers and we've had over 5,000 mask requests. And we've delivered um, probably 4,200 of those. And we keep getting in, we're getting an average of a thousand masks a week now, where we now set up these big events. Like, you know, my event experience in Hollywood has really paid off. It has nothing to do with (laughs) getting all dressed up and (laughs) going onto a red carpet. We're doing this in the midst of a parking lot and the rain and, you know, people are coming and delivering their masks. We're wearing masks and gloves. Like you can't even see the people's faces, but it's a... Yeah, it's a far cry from my red carpet days in Hollywood, but (laughs) but it's been um, extremely rewarding. And I know that it's given, you know, 600 plus people in the state of Oregon something to do with with all this time that they have on their hands. And it makes sense. Well, definitely. And, you know, I feel like that my people will definitely help out and get it started for Missouri. That's for sure. You know, that's why I think it's cool to do this stuff is just to talk to people and see about them. And you've got a really great story. And I'm so happy to be able to send you people. Thank you so much, Dale. Well, it's, yeah, I really appreciate that. And um, I'm really glad to reconnect with you too. Definitely. It's been fun. I found out. What a great musician your sister is and got to talk to you. Thank you. How, well, what is better yeah, than I know, I know Steph would love it if you want to join her Facebook page and Tony too. And you can always um, spread the word for them. They do Thursday night concerts. I think they're on their 19th now. And I'm so they, yeah, um, you know, obviously it's on 
They air on Facebook Live, they air on Instagram Live, and they air on YouTube as well. So anyone right. all over the world can can, uh, uh, can listen to that. It would be a good thing to have you <laughs> as a sister. That's uh, for thanks. sure. But I also have to say, she sounds really good. I was very impressed. I mean, you know, I... I've loved music and been involved in music forever. Thank you. Well, you know, Steph has she she taught herself how to play the guitar. We um we were a really musical family growing up and my parents enrolled us in um music lessons. We all played a different instrument. I played the flute, Steph played the French horn, my other sister Kim played the clarinet. And we did that for about seven years um in school. Okay. And then we also learned how to play the piano. But Stephanie I'm really proud of her and what she's done with her music. You know, she's, she, um, some of her music has gotten picked up by Hollywood TV films and, and, and TV. Um, the, um, that's cool. Vampire Diaries picked one of her songs up. Uh huh. For, um, wow. for one of their segments. And, you know, so yeah. And then Tony's, Tony's a rock star too. He, um, he was on the Jay Leno show with um, Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley Cyrus's dad. Um, and Tony is yeah, kind sure. of a world renowned um, slide guitarist and he plays the banjo and he, he okay. likes to do, you know, bluegrass and um, Americana and Stephanie. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's kind of cool. That. Like they're, you know, they're obviously that. local musicians independent musicians um depend on you know their source of income with traveling being traveling musicians and all that right and uh, <laughs> since they've been home definitely uh, they just decided to put these concerts together and do it together which i think is cute and my little seven-year-old nephew liam is a special guest once in a while so that's kind of fun yeah wow how cool is that and so anyway, before we get ready to go, tell me your best Dolly Parton story. <laughs> My best Dolly Parton story. Well, you know, I haven't had a direct connection with Dolly Parton. I will tell you this. When I first moved to L.A., and that first year that okay. I was putting on um, cause-related red carpet events, I had three different people on three different occasions tell me okay. you have to meet Lee Salters. And okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yes. So I did not them, have right? any time to date, let alone, you know, meet anybody new for this year. I was pulling my hair out. I was so busy by the sure. end of that year. After the third person that said that I said, okay, I'm going to call this man. Turns out he was 83 years old. Okay. It was not a love interest kind of thing. It was a work <laughs> thing. And, um, and right. he, I called him and I told him, you know, these people told me to call you and, you know, do you have any time? Oh, I've got, you know, he was a man from the Bronx and was very, very, I've got 20 minutes. And I said, okay. <laughs> yes. So I went to his office. I walk in okay. and he's got Frank Sinatra plastered everywhere in his office with him and, okay. and virtually every celebrity <laughs> known to the planet with Lee walking them, you know, walking them down the red carpet. So anyway, I'm sitting here and I thought, Oh my gosh, how did a, how did a, um, 
you know, a small town Oregon girl get to this place, right? So, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> three hours later, he originally said he only had 20 minutes. I'm sitting in his office three hours later. He asks me, <laughs> well, where do you see yourself in five, five years? And I said, sitting in your chair. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that into me, but that's what I said. <laughs> and that started a really wonderful kindred relationship. He took me under his wing. He became my mentor for six months. And then he asked me to come out, come in house. And he wanted me to meet a partner. And I just wasn't sure if I wanted to be in Hollywood like that indefinitely. But I said, you know what? Just make me an executive vice president and let's call it good. And and we did that for two years. While I was sure. in that office, Yes, <laughs> a number of celebrities called um, while I was sitting there to ask Lee their advice on this and that and what they should do okay. about whatever. And it was everyone from Gloria Allred to David Geffen to Susan Sarandon to Dolly Parton. Wow. All of those people called while I was sitting in his office. Wow. <laughs> well, that's that's a very good. It's not direct yeah. relationship, but it's very good. And you know, so that's why I just think it's so cool to get to catch up with people. Thank you, and see what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It was so my thank pleasure you for doing that. Yes, DaleWileyShow.com.